Hi, today I'm going to talk about nine ways to improve remote working and avoid burnout. Now, I don't know if, if you're anything like me or where your mind goes, but there seems to be this paradox where we have so much more in the way of technology, whether it's for health reasons, wearable technology, uh, the way we automate our businesses, uh, the technology to help us create more time for ourselves, yet we seem to still have this epidemic of, of burnout. And I worry that it's only gonna get worse as we start to move into a more remote way of working. And I'm sure the technology will get even better. You know, these, these conversations around the metaverse and all these sort of things that are happening that where we might create these virtual worlds and it'll feel like we are actually in a virtual office and, and Zoom and the way we do business virtually will seem a, a thing of the past. I, I've talked about this extensively where people push back on me where I said, I, I, I do believe that we will work remotely, but you have to imagine the technology, whether it's metaverse or some kind of technology, whether Zoom is working on something, I don't know. But it, it should feel like we're in an office and maybe after the office we go to the pub, I don't know, uh, or to yeah, go out or whatever, the theater, to a concert. And I can see how this thing will, will happen and evolve. So the, the analogy I've, I've used a lot is, if you imagine the Nokia 6210, which was an amazing phone, it was, I thought it was just a, a, a piece of art. It, you know, it was slim, it went in your pocket, uh, it had snake on it, uh, Tetris. You know, it, it was just a great phone. But if you imagine, if you'd said you can run your whole business on it, you could, you could create video, you could build, build something uh, and communicate in a way that where you don't need anything else, people would have said, well, that's, that's insane. It's not, not possible. Uh, but of course, and the uh, smartphones came out, the iPhone and the technology now is, is unbelievable. So we have to open our minds up to what the potential is of remote working. And, and I, uh, my, my op the optimist in me is that we'll see that, that, that we, we have a better life off the back of technology. I think human beings, we do that, we make life easy for ourselves, but we seem to be in transition. And as I said, this paradox has kind of left me scratching my head. Why, why are we getting unhealthier it seems as, as human beings, or maybe there's a kind of a polarization, but you know, there does seem to be a health, a physical health and mental health epidemic when we've got all this technology. There's a few reasons why I think it is. I think that the line between personal life and business life has become blurred, particularly if you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, uh, even working in an organization, you know, the, it, it's very hard to, to turn it off because we're accessible all the time. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that uh, because I think that is increasing stress and that can lead to burnout. Secondly, I think the, the pressure to be productive all the time, and whether it's a myth or misunderstood, but the kind of the four hour work week, this idea that we can get so much done in, in such little time, maybe is leading people to feel guilty when they can't live up to that expectation. And maybe there is an education around this. You know, I, I know that when people talk about the four hour work week, it's a really good title. It makes you want to buy the book. But when you actually read it or get an understanding of it, it's actually about building a team, a virtual team around you. And, you know, I've spoken to to entrepreneurs. I did a, a great podcast with Daniel Priestley, which uh, please check out. And, and he talks about, you know, these tasks. And one of the first thing he, he thinks that the, if someone, if an entrepreneur that he's working with hasn't got a cleaner, you know, they're doing their own cleaning. Um, I mean, he even talks about if you're not if you're driving your car versus getting an Uber, the the, the opportunity to be productive uh, and and build a team around you 
is key. So I think that's a you know an, another thing for us to think about, particularly if you are a solopreneur. The, the last thing I'll say on this is that the digital world can be isolating. It can be lonely. I've spoken to a lot of business leaders who are working remotely and they've got perhaps a, a virtual team globally. It can be very lonely. You know, you, you, your interaction is, is on Zoom. Or if you are a, a solopreneur or you've got a small business, it can seem very lonely. Maybe you're consulting, maybe you're a freelancer. You know, the, these roles now where we can actually, I can run my business from the WeWork in Prague and run leadership programs, well I do, and I run leadership programs for teams in New York, in Sydney, uh, in Los Angeles. We, we're doing leadership programs everywhere in the world and it's just me in this room in, in a WeWork in Prague. Uh, I'm not interacting as much, so I'm making a conscious effort. Uh, and again, I'm gonna, it's gonna be one of the nine things that I, that I talk about. So I think technology has, has the potential to improve our lives and our work. I think it's crucial that we we are aware of the potential impact on our mental health if we don't use them in the right way or we don't take control or ownership uh, and be mindful of these these digital habits. One thing I've been practicing recently is a digital fast. So I've, I've talked about fasting as one of my 10 daily habits. I, I'm not, sometimes I do 16-8 fast, sometimes I was doing the OMAD for a while, but for me the safest, easiest, happiest way for me to fast is for 13 hours which means I stop eating at seven and I, I start eating again at, at, at eight and that works really well for me I think that is and I, and I sometimes I, I do move to OMAD sometimes I'm doing two meals a day but I think for the most part I feel better on three meals a day anyway I'm digressing a little bit I'm also doing a digital fast so I, I align my work with that my phone goes off I, I stop working at seven where I can unless I've got a, a call you know because of uh, a time zone situation but otherwise, I am, I'm switching off. And, it, and I've been doing it now for two weeks. I've been at about 90%. And I have found it liberating. Like it has been liberating to be able to switch off and say, I'm not working. I'm done. You know, 7 o'clock. Uh, my cutoff, one of my habits is that I brush my teeth with my kids. I don't eat. I don't work. And I spend some time with my wife. And, and, it's, and it's been liberating. So, um, well, I think when we start taking ownership and, and start seeing the benefits of technology and avoid... The, the dangers of it or avoid burnout, that's when we can start living optimally, be better leaders, be better business owners, uh, be better entrepreneurs, and build a culture where other people can thrive as well. So uh, I'm going to get into this. Uh, I'm going to share these nine ways to improve remote working and how to, uh, to avoid burnout. The first one, the first one is take ownership. Take ownership. It's your responsibility to take ownership of your mental health, your physical health, the hours you work, your diary. It was one thing I learned uh, at Yellow Pages when I worked at Yellow Pages. Yellow Page, to be successful at Yellow Pages, you just had to be productive. Like you, you had to be really productive. And I learned that the way to be productive was to own my diary. Like no one else is going to put stuff into my diary other than me. You know, people would try and they would try and uh, put it in at a certain time or a client would say I was because I would I was really uh, disciplined I wanted to have an eight o'clock meeting in the morning I wanted a 10 o'clock meeting a 12 o'clock meeting a two o'clock meeting and then I wanted to be done for the day and because we, we worked on our artwork for the ads and so on and the selling advertising and I feel I feel when I look back on it I nailed it like I, it worked you know I did well there I worked my way up uh, and and I put it down to 
someone, I can't remember who even said it to me, and it's probably based on the, the Stephen Covey or the, the Eisenhower matrix of urgent, non-urgent tasks, you know, making sure that I was just being really disciplined about my diary. So I think that's, that's the most important thing. And, and as leaders, I think we also need to impart that knowledge and that, that ownership onto our teams, that they take ownership. They're not looking to us too much. It's a bit of a, it's a two-way street, right? You know, self-care, it's self-care. It's looking after the self. So I think that, you know, get some help if you need some help to, whether it's a, pr a productivity coach, a therapist, a, a business coach, somebody who can help you structure your day, you know, a support group, a mastermind, you know, feel comfortable to reach out and ask for help but remember that, that it is your responsibility and that you've got to take ownership of your diary. Second one I want to talk about is setting boundaries. I think boundaries are, are essential. It's kind of linked to taking ownership. It's for me, is one of the most important things. I think boundaries are crucial when it comes to work and personal time. You know, if you leave your phone on and you leave yourself available, then people are going to contact you. Like, nobody can get hold of me after 7, 7 p.m., you know, if it's an emergency, they'll find us, right? Uh, they'll, they'll speak to someone in my family. But for the most part, people can't get hold of me after 7 o'clock. Um, so, you know, don't let this work take over your life. You know, learning to say no to things, to push back. Because when you, when you don't say no to something, you're saying yes to something else, right? Which might be coming into your, your, your uh, agenda, into your diary, that you really don't want there. And it stops you saying yes to something that is useful to you or can move you forward or help you level up or help you grow your team. So setting boundaries is, is absolutely key. And working in specific times, I really try to be as productive as I can be in a four-hour window every day. That's my, that's my goal. I want to start working at 8. I want to finish at 12. Uh, I, three days a week, I want to be able to take my son to hockey and, and watch him and coach him and so I'm, I'm really working hard and of course I'll have some other things to do uh, later in the day but I think optimal day is a four hour you know being productive and sometimes for me that's being billable that's actually me working with a client and coaching or running a leadership program so I'm for in that four hours I'm being billable of course there are going to be times when I have to do an eight hour day or a 12 hour day because I've got to catch up with stuff or I'm just things have got a little intense so for me, that's, that's really important. The next one to think about is making sure that you are staying mobile, you're being healthy, you're staying strong. Uh, I'm a big advocate of this. I think strength is, is key. And, and I like to take Pavel Tatsulin's work, who was the founder of, uh, is the founder of Strong First. So grab a kettlebell. I always have a kettlebell. I don't know if you can see it here for those that are watching. Turn my camera as a kettlebell here because I like to do some goblet squats throughout the day. And I could do uh, 10 sets of 10 goblet squats or five sets of five or whatever. Or take it into sometimes at the WeWork, I take it into another room and I do some swings. But it's called greasing the groove. It could be push ups. You could do 10 push ups on the hour, right? Every time, you know, to get yourself around 10 push ups or five push ups or whatever you can manage, 20 if you're feeling strong. But greasing the group, getting out, getting into the, that squat position. If you're sat in a chair all day, and you know, particularly now in the virtual world where we're not walking around as much, um, I call it. I, I like the term "grease the groove," which is, you know, throughout the day. And actually, it's evidence has shown, research has shown that you can get stronger doing that. You actually build strength throughout the day 
by doing that. Maybe it's a few pull-ups. Maybe you've got a pull-up bar in your home. You know, you do some pull-ups, you do some push-ups, you do some squats. You know, th this can really help stay active, and I really, really recommend that. Fourth one I want to talk about uh, is human connection. I think this is so important. Uh, I really settled in to the virtual world. I really started to like it. And, and when people started asking me if we could do in-person leadership programs, I was like, nah, I think I'll just, <laughs> I'd rather do it from here and do it virtually. Uh, but I realized that that human connection is so important. So the team, you know, having meetups with the, my team and, and um, particularly the mastermind, the four keys mastermind that we have and you know, meeting up, that, that's something that I'm really looking to do more of this year. Uh, making sure that I'm connecting with people. I mean, I, the human connection for me outside of work for me is, is my hockey, you know, playing with the hockey team, the banter in the dressing room, uh, all of that, that, that's really important to me. So what, what is human connection for you? Think about, I, is that in your life? And particularly if it's a for human need, because you know, I've talked about this in the past, there's six human needs. One of them is love and connection. If that's a driver for you, if that's a motivator for you, then you really should consider having more of that in your life, whether it's spending more time with your family, your friends, uh, work colleagues. Uh, if you are working virtually, just making sure that once a month or quarterly, uh, whatever you can afford or in the way of time and, and money, that you're getting together and having that connection. Uh, so I think that this is something that, that could cause a big problem for businesses going forward if we start to transition more and more into remote working. And whilst I see a lot of companies now trying to bring people back into the office, I just see the next wave of employees that come through are going to have an expectation that things are done remotely. And therefore, organizations who can build trust, build a culture, can... Uh, do leadership remotely are going to have a significant competitive advantage on other organizations, particularly when it comes to the war on talent, finding skilled people. I think we might, I think that companies have the advantage at the moment. You know, we've had what 150,000 layoffs in, in the tech industry. Uh, but I, I think as we come out of that, this downturn, I think that people will be looking for the best talent and the ability to build a high-performance culture in a virtual world, uh, I think, is going to be a competitive advantage for a lot of a lot of people. This is linked. This one, number five. This is get your own oxygen mask on first. You've heard it uh, loads of times. You've heard it's one of the first things they say on the uh, on the flight. You know, you can't look after other people until you get your own oxygen mask on first. So, for me, as a business owner, as a business leader, as a parent. Uh, as a husband or a wife, whatever it is, you know, if you're going to look after your family, if you're going to look after your business, you've got to be selfish to serve others. This is the most important, is, is get your own oxygen mask on first. I think this is key. Uh, I've talked about this a lot. I think I talked about it in my, my last podcast. Uh, do what you can to serve yourself. My, my wife now, in, I remember when I first started doing my morning routine, and I'd get up, I think she thought I was a bit selfish because it was a little bit chaotic with the kids. And I would be, this thing would be kind of like life was spinning around me and I'd be sat there for 10 minutes meditating, you know, listening to the car map, uh, doing some box breathing, doing my mobility work. And over time, I think my wife realized that that was the best thing I could do to show up in the best possible way for her, for the family, um, for my business. 
that I really took care of myself and had that time in the morning, sometimes to swing the kettlebell, sometimes to do a workout, sometimes, uh, you know, quite often, <laughs> I go out and I play hockey in the morning. We have a morning skate and it's great. Uh, it's a really nice way for me to start the day. It's an early practice. Uh, we get out uh, and I'm home by 9 a.m. Uh, ready to go. So get your own oxygen mask on first. Just thinking about, do you need to be selfish to serve others? Number six is self-management, not time management. Uh, I, I mentioned time management earlier in the, the kind of Eisenhower matrix. And, but really, in hindsight, when I look back on my time, when I've been most effective, when I've really performed at the highest level, it's all come down to self-management. It's, it's me being disciplined. And is it, you know, Jocko Willinks, I think, says, you know, discipline is freedom. You have to be your own drill sergeant. You know, you need your conscious voice to be the drill sergeant in your head. And to do it in a nice possible way, uh, I think Mel Robbins coined the, the five, four, three, two, one, you know, having that countdown. So when there are things that you have to do, you have to take action on, you know, five, four, three, two, one, take action. Whether that's getting out of bed, whether that's doing a task, whether that's putting your gym gear on and getting out for a run, whatever it is, but you, you have to be your own drill sergeant. And for me, time management whilst it's a nice kind of phrase and there are plenty of models out there for it, really it, time just keeps going on and it will just get away from you. You're, it's just like kicking a can down the road. You know, we're just not taking action on things. So self-management, self-discipline, discipline is freedom. Make sure that your conscious voice is a positive one. Check out my last podcast on, on the uh, negative self-talk, five ways to overcome negative self-talk. These things will help with your mindset, with your mental health, and, and also helping others. You know, as a leader, helping others think of their, not, not about time management, but, but self-management. How do you make those, those good, good decisions? Okay, number seven, eliminate distractions. Make sure to create a dedicated workspace and, and minimize noise, distractions around you, you know, whether it's turning off if you're working on you know if you're a creator and you're working on some writing or you're creating some content uh, do you really need to have your wi-fi on this is something that i really have to force myself to do because i'll be looking at my phone stuff will be coming through the laptop and i'm just not being productive so learning the discipline and again it comes back to self-management but to eliminate distractions to turn those things off to go to a place where you can be totally lost in the moment focus on mastery you know that the, the the, uh, the idea of getting into a flow state, staying in the zone, this ability to be totally absorbed in the work without any distractions. Uh, I think that, that is, is key. Um, may, imagine it like a, a, a magic shield for your productivity. Just put everything <laughs> away uh, so you can be totally lost in the moment. Um, you know, find the purpose in the work, the mastery, the stuff that Daniel Pink talks about in the surprising truth about what motivates us. You know, you want that autonomy. You want to work on stuff to, by yourself. You, you, that's when we thrive. You want the autonomy to do it. You want the, the, the purpose behind it. So it feels like you're, you're doing something meaningful, but you're lost in the mastery of it as well. This is really, really key. Number eight, clear communication. I think, I think this is probably one that people find quite difficult. Whether we, we tiptoe around certain things we want to we want to say something to somebody but we we want the courage or we say it, but it comes out in a rude way i think 
for your team, clear communication is the absolute key to succeeding. Like if you don't have communication, and by the way, it's, it's agreeing what's above the line. You know, a brilliant exercise to do is, is to say, well, how do we communicate with each other? This is something I did with the, the British team uh, when we, we had a lot of success. We won the gold medal in Pool, pool B. We went up into top eight countries in the world. I think one of the things that changed was, was our communication in the dressing room, our ability to, to give feedback to each other, positive feedback, how to deliver that feedback, to create an environment where people felt they had permission to speak up and talk openly without being shut down by someone else, where we created a framework where people could actually receive that feedback and process it and not get emotional about it. I think these things are absolutely key. So when you know what's above the line communication and what's below the line communication, that can really make a difference. So we ask the question, we want to win the gold medal. What communication style will help us get there? And what communication style will hinder us below the line? And then people would be able to have permission to say, hey, come on, that, that was below the line. We agreed this. And then you go, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so this is even more important when it comes to building a virtual team. You've got to agree the level of communication, how you're going to communicate with each other, making sure that when you deliver a message, it's concise and clear and to the point. There's no waffle. Uh, it's less is more. You know, cut to the chase. Learn how to lock horns on things, something Daniel Priestley talks about, you know, having these conversations where you can lock horns and have a tough conversation. And one of the things I think sports people do really well in, in, in sports and in business is that they can lock horns and then shake hands after it. You know, you play a game, it's intense, it, it can be aggressive at times. Uh, and at the game, when the whistle goes, you shake hands. And learning to do that in business is really key. Learning to be able to lock horns on something and say, okay, thank you, we're done, right? It's not personal. There's nothing personal. It's just a, a clear communication style. And I think it comes down to your values and so on. Don't tiptoe around these conversations, but agree how you're going to, to work together. And I think then you will boost morale, you create psychological safety and your team will come together and you'll start having more fun and you will start performing even better. The last one, number nine, is stay flexible. You know, being able to, to kind of dance with the chaos, being agile. <clears throat> this for me is the key to maintaining a, a, a healthy work-life balance is to be to be flexible with boundaries of course and maybe this is what when people I think sometimes these are semantics but people talk about oh no it's not work-life balance it's work-life harmony and maybe they're right because it is a it is a harmony you know you want to be in sync with these things uh, you want to be doing the same dance you don't want someone you don't want to feel like you're you're doing a tango and someone's doing I don't know the waltz or whatever uh, whatever the dance is, I'm not a big fan of Strictly, uh, so you might be able to help me with that. But there, are, you know, you want to be doing the same dance, right? You want to be so dancing and with the with the flow and ebbs and flows of work and life and being in sync. And I think things like meditation and uh, taking time out, slowing down to speed up, helps us become more intuitive. It's like we start to read things differently. Athletes will talk about it being in the zone. You can see how things are coming. You want to feel that way about life. You want to be able to see see these things around the corner and predict them and, have, and create some certainty in your life as best you can. So taking advantage of the, this kind of flexible working hours, creating your boundaries, owning your diary, clear communication, these all will help massively when it comes to building a virtual and remote team. And as you start to develop that even more, 
you will have a significant competitive advantage because people will want to work for you. They want to work for your business. They want to come to you. They want to be on your team because you've, you're absolutely on top of this way of creating a, a, a flexible, workable, remote team that is delivering and performing. People trust each other. People are holding each other accountable. You've got clarity of your game plan. You're giving each other feedback. You're mentoring. You're running training sessions. And it's all done in a remote, virtual way. You are going to have a competitive advantage because people will, will want to come to you and you will get the best people working for you. So, in summary, uh, I think the modern the modern world is it is bringing new challenges. Definitely, uh, I think COVID, as we said loads of times, has has given it a boost. But at the same time, there's this risk of of burnout if we don't uh, get on top of it uh, and and understand what is going to help us work in the best possible way. But I think by establishing a, a good routine, uh, setting boundaries, and you know, taking breaks, slowing down to speed up, maintaining good social connections. So whether it's meeting up with your team, as I said earlier, once, once a quarter, once a month, or is it about uh, building a, a good social connection around you, you know, good healthy meetups. I live in Prague. I don't know that many people apart from the people on my hockey team. Uh, so making an effort to get out is important to me and, and meet other people, learn from other people, prioritizing your self-care, you know, make it a priority. Get your own oxygen mask on first. Uh, using really good, <coughs> excuse me, really good management techniques. So setting the objective, being really clear about that, uh, making sure that you are acknowledging good work every day, giving feedback. You are running training every week. You are mentoring your people for at least 30 minutes every month. These are really important. Uh, your ability to manage your own emotions under pressure, you know, to stay cool, to stay uh, calm under pressure, to make effective decisions. These, you know, th this level of emotional intelligence is really important. And I like to keep things simple. You know, and I think if you focus on those five things, set the game plan, acknowledge good work daily in your team and yourself, by the way, you know, celebrate your wins. Uh, training, you know, whether you're training a team or working on developing yourself mentoring so whether you are mentoring others making sure you're doing that to create a high performing team or you've got a mentor important and then developing the ability to stay calm under pressure I'll, I'll probably do another podcast on those five five things so i hope you found those those nine ways to to work remotely in, in the best possible way and avoid burnout I hope you found that useful let me know in the comments i would love to know what your thoughts are uh, and if uh, if there's anything that i've shared with you today that really resonate with you let me know. I think we can all work smarter. I know it's a cliche, not harder, but we can have a lot of fun doing it. I hope you found that useful. See you next time.